the Modern Poetry in Translation podcast. My name is Kairani Baroka, also known as Oka, and I'm the editor, and we have just published our issue, Measureless Melodies, Focus on Vietnam. I'm so excited to be speaking today with a contributor to the issue, Jiffa Benson, who will be reading and discussing her fantastic poem that's in the issue. Jiffa Benson is a Ghanaian British poet, dramatist, journalist, and curator based in London. She was the recipient of a Jerwood Compton Poetry Prize in 2021 and was shortlisted for the inaugural James Berry Prize in the same year. Jiffa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Oka. It's really my pleasure to be here. I love MPT. It's one of my favorite poetry magazines. Oh, that's an honor for us. And we love you, obviously. <laughs> um, I, I was so delighted to receive um, your submission for this issue. I guess before we get into discussing it, I'd love for you to read out your introduction that you wrote to the poem and, and then read out the poem itself, please. Excellent, I will do. So the poem is called Ahanonko, which means um, drinking name, basically. And um, I've also subtitled it, A Nameless Thing is a Vague Thing because that was the feeling I was trying to um, transmit. But this is what I wrote in the intro to the poem in MPT. I am an Anglo Ewe, and it's Anglo Ewe's are Ghanaian subgroup of the Ewe people who also live in Togo, Benin, and Nigeria. Until about 10 generations ago, which I have since revised, um, since I wrote in the magazine seven generations ago, because I've done the maths and it feels like more like 10 generations ago, rather than the seven generations, I spoke to a professor of Ewa culture. Um, Anglo Ewa's didn't have surnames. Individuals were identified by their given names, their day names and their clan names. So as part of the Bata clan, and a girl born on Friday, I would have been known as Jiffa Afi Batawom. When colonizers set up Western-style schools, that system of naming became unwieldy for the classrooms. So rather than take on European surnames, as was common amongst many Anglo Ewes, some of them decided to use their father's Ahanonko. Um, which literally means drinking name or name used while drinking alcohol as surnames. Women also acquired Ahanonko through marriage. So Ahanonko can pass for nicknames, but they are far more powerful than mere nicknames. They are praise names usually conferred on or chosen by the bearer, which were traditionally men in adulthood as a result of peculiar characteristics or outstanding qualities the bearer exhibits and are believed to invoke supernatural powers. Given the elusive proverbial nature of the Ewa language, the name becomes a whole discourse comprising a prompt, the click form of the discourse and a response, which is the appellation that goes with the name and part of the discourse. As a result, and even in their clip forms, our surnames can have complex narratives embedded into their utterances. 
Han uncle praise, exhort, insinuate, warn, entertain, and generally represent the philosophical aspirations of the Ewe people. They often have a swagger to them. And this is another bit I've discovered. And historically, we're ritualistically performative. The stage names of rappers are close modern analog. For instance, LL Cool J is the clipped form of the rapper whose full appellation is Ladies Love Cool Jazz. Sorry, Ladies Love Cool James. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, that would be quite a good name too, Ladies Love Cool Jazz. Anyway, I recently acquired my own drinking name whose full appellation is Amashika Zo Azolier, Bleu La Axo Fier Kuku. The, neck, the one who w- walks the long way to the palace will wear the crown. And Azolia is its clipped form. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I have so much that I want to dig in with you. <laughs> yeah. Everything that you said. But um, before that, I, we'd love to hear you read out your beautiful poem. Okay. So um, just a little preamble before I read the poem out. Part of the reason... Um, I wanted to write this poem or since writing it or the thinking behind it is English can be such a dominant language in most people's lives, especially people who, um, I don't mean most people, but people who have experienced um, colonization by the English. It can be, you know, it's the language I feel most comfortable in, but at the same time, Part of the reason why I wrote this poem is because in our philosophy, um, if you lose the our language, it's like a form of self-excommunication. And that's kind of really put, you know, put the fear of God into me in a way. Mm. Um, So part of, um, you know, writing poems to do with our, our philosophy and mythology is because I don't, I'm not as fluent in the language as I'd like to be. And also living in London means that I can't be fluent because um, it's not a language I'm using every day. So part of the reason for digging into these kind of things to do with Angno Ewe is to compensate for a lack of the language. So having the names which I read out, these Ewe surnames or Ahanonko, um, or surnames which have been derived from Ahanonko, I should say more accurately, um, is because I want to hear Ewe in, you know, like when I read this poem out, I always read the Ewe names from which the poem in English is derived. And it feels significant to actually utter those names in spaces that are not expecting or used to hearing our language in it. Yeah. And I, I guess it's a way for me to keep that language alive in myself. And in fact, when I first started reading this poem out in public about six months ago, you could, you know, people could hear how my tongue struggled around some of the pronunciations, but the more I do it, the more comfortable 
I become with it. So that is, that is a long preamble, but here's the poem. Ahanonko, a nameless thing is a vague thing. Abajivo, Afolien, Kikiu, Abeko, Abema, Yesi, Ableka, Aboga, Agokoni, Abota, Abovi, Agojo, Abechiama, Agomavi, Ahaji, Ahliabu, Akapo, Akakuvi, Alegeli, Amadika, Amemonu, Amanuma, Atipo, Avaji, Avujivi, Avubla, Aivo, Azolia, Botsomako, Datsomo, the Godia, the Damania, Dusa, Drekka, Ajojianyami, Ajona, Fiajibo, Fiawu, Gakli, Galavo, Gameli, Ganyo, Gasso, Bedama, Bebe, Bomitan, Jikunu, Gomadu, Kasa, Kudolu, Kumasenu, Kumoji, Lagbada, Nkulenu, Nuwogu, Sodako, Togodu, Tulasi, Vivo, Woyama, Zaneto. Death does wonders and life is frustrating but it's better that we don't meet because this one must be whispered or the town will hear. Red arse like palm fruit after alcohol and full of hot air, a useless king who never listened to advice heard a dog had given birth to a lamb, a sheep's head, a huge sheep and an ugly child. Gun in hand like a rat missing its lover, he set off on the stubborn death road of an ambushing snake. At the stump of a tree behind the river, he swallowed a calabash of goat saliva, removed his pants and put the jaw of a dog on top of his penis, then farted his bad beans into farm soil. It happens. Had he not forgotten that the quarrel about a missing cow had not ended after a year had passed and that the nearer in blood, the more bloody the trap, he would not have been such an angry thing on a bicycle made by that blacksmith over there from a bedsheet and scrap metal forged in a corn husk fire on a heap of charcoal. There is time and we are glad today is today, but if there is life, tomorrow's a fortunate stumble, we let the darkness cease. Royalty as only one person's judgment is a waste of time and resources. Money is good, but just because a whale has a humpback doesn't mean it can ever move Mount Geli. So I know the poem is slightly different it's been through a mentor's eyes and just you know a couple of suggestions of 
you know, flipping lines around so that I end on, you know, a stronger image or, um, and as I said, I have been looking more into um, the whole thing surrounding Ahanonko and that has influenced me kind of just tweaking the poem a little bit, but this is it. So we should say that this is, we're very privileged to have just heard an updated version of the poem. It's wonderful to see this evolution and I can't wait for the publication of the manuscript that, that this is a part of. I think it's also, um, if it's okay, Jifa, if you would read out the footnote, which is really important. Sure. Okay, so this poem is made up entirely of words translated from the meanings of our surnames, which I read before. And those Ewa surnames have been um, translated to English. It includes some of my family names and no extraneous words have been added to the proverbial originals. So, you know, um, that's the thing about Ewa surnames. And once you start looking into the provenance of those surnames and finding out about Ahanonko, is that (laughs) um, the full Ahanonko is a phrase, you know, it's a it's a narrative phrase often. And so you can literally pick up the name and just put it down on the page and join another name to it. And you have a narrative going on, you know, you don't even need to add any words to it at and all. And you have a poem. Yes, and, and to make to make a poem and you know, I thought, I thought this, you know, when I discovered that, I just thought I had that light bulb moment. And I thought, what if I try and make, you know, a poem out of a Hanonko? And just to be clear, not every Ewa surname is a Hanonko, um, but quite a few of them are. And, you know, because of that, Ewa surnames, even within Ghana itself, are really interesting are you know and every other tribe comments about how interesting our surnames are so you know I just thought what happens if this is what our surnames can be what will happen if I take them and try and form a poem out of them so in lots of ways it was the easiest poem I ever wrote because (laughs) I didn't have to find the words I just had to kind of arrange the words, you know, get the jigsaw puzzle out of the words. And that's what I came out with. And it surprised me how much people really like it and really like the whole notion of what a drinking name is. And it really goes down well whenever I read it in public. And I didn't realize that well, I, I guess I did a little bit that, you know, when I was talking about, you know, when I wrote that a king removed his pants and put the jaw of a dog on top of his yeah. penis. Of, and, you know, obviously I knew there was humour in that, but I didn't know it would land with people. The oh, way it oh with that me. is a sentence. <laughs> that is a sentence. <laughs> it was, And it's such a brilliant translation because, you know, I think of translation as, um, sorting puzzle pieces into a hole, right? And yeah. the way you've done that with this is just brilliant. I wanted to ask you about the latter part of your introduction to this poem, which is that you recently acquired your own drinking name. And, and, and would you mind uh, just quickly saying it again in Ewe as well as the English translation of your drinking name? 
I'm not as fluent in Ewe as I would love to be, but the full um, full name is Ameshika Zo Azolia Blowu Laaso Fiakuku. The one who walks the long way to the palace will wear the crown. Ooh, what an incredible <laughs> name that is. It's a glowing name. And, and I wanted to ask, what is the process of you acquiring that name? How did it come to be? Oh, uh, I, I will tell you. So, you know, the professor who I spoke about, who is an expert in our history, philosophy mm. and mythology, whose name actually makes an appearance as one of the names that I then translate. His name is Amanuma. So he's the fourth line down and the third name, Amanuma. He's actually Professor Divine Amanuma. So his whole name is really rather beautiful. Um, But he and my mum, they grew up together many years ago and they recently then became reacquainted. And because my mum introduced me to him because she knew I was really interested in, you know, all things Ewe. So one day we were having lunch and he and my mum were just talking about a Hanonko. And this was a word unfamiliar to me because even though I'm not as fluent in Ewe as I'd like to be, I understand it really well. So when a name, when a word in Ewe comes up that I don't understand, I pounce on it. So I did. And they were like, you don't know what Hanonko is? And they proceeded to explain it to me, a drinking name. And I was like, what is this? Do you have a drinking name? Do you have, they, they all do. And I said, I want a drinking name. <laughs> um, you know, and by the way, Amanuma is the bit where it says the nearer in blood, the more bloody the trap. Mm, wow. That's that's what Amanuma means. And it basically means that it's your relatives who can be more dangerous to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow, I'm really just it just sank in what that part means. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So oh there's 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 a an enigmatic aspect to these names as well. So I said to my mum and um the professor, I want a drinking name too, you know, <laughs> because was, it just seemed like something desirable to have. And like I've mentioned, it was traditionally men who had it. So a lot of um, the names have a sort of male swagger to mm. them. So me and my mum were trying to figure out what could be my drinking name. And, you know, obviously it, the drinking name has to kind of reflect a characteristic of the bearer. And basically, um, I think... <laughs> Any kind of success I have in my career is coming later for me than it has for other people. So that was the kind of reasoning about walking the long way to the palace, you know. Um, So and then, you know, the success means wearing the crown. Um, So at first I thought Fiekuku could be um, um, my drinking name because Fie the F-I-A, 
when you see fear in a name, it refers to royalty, mm. to kings. So, you know, in the names above the palm, you've got fear digbo or fear wu. So fear kuku would mean crown, like royal crown? Yes, like a crown, yes. So it, it kuku means hat. Mm. So fear kuku means crown, like a hat, a, you know, a king wears, you mm. see. So, you know, in the names fear wolf, for instance, means royalty. Um, and there's a lady who works for Apples and Snakes called Natalie Fierwolf. So, you know, she obviously comes from, is descended from royalty. So when you see fear as the kind of um, prefix, you know it's talking about royalty or kings. So you, you composed the, did you compose that sentence in English first? Yeah, we we decided that that was kind of going to be the, my characteristic. And then my mum translated it into Ameshika, you know, and the full kind of appellation. And she said, Fiakuku, which is the last word of it, sounds too masculine because that's what I thought my drinking name could be. Mm. And then I landed on Azolia, which is much more feminine sounding. What and does Azolia mean? Sorry. Azolia means the basically it's walking. Ah, it's the walks part. Yeah, it's walking. The, it's the long walk. Azolia blue means the long way, walking the long way. So Azolia. I really love that because yeah. it's about process as well. And as an artist, I think that must resonate for you, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. It's just, you know, and, you know, like I said, the, the drinking names are powerful. So once I wrote that, they generally have a bit of swagger to them. Um, so once I wrote that, the, you know, the one who walks the long way to the palace will wear the crown. It's, it's you know, it's, it's it's got a bit of like... It's killer. It's, it, is a, it is a baller drinking name. and I, A baller drinking name. I was like, my God, she's so lucky that this is her drinking name. <laughs> and I... Um, and you know, I'm. I will also always love you for in, including um, LL Cool J and the fact that it stands for Ladies Love Cool James in this because that is one of my favorite bits of trivia to bring up to people <laughs> for some yeah. reason. Once I understood how drinking names work, and the, you know, the because in traditionally there would have been a performative thing to it yeah. where the. Um, the bearer of the name would call out the clipped form of the name oh. and um, the listener would answer with the longer appellation. Oh. So it was almost like a call and response. And once I understood how drinking names work, I had a light bulb moment and I was thinking, oh my God, that must mean LL Cool J. <laughs> but you could you you could see how you know the the logic of it would work. Ahanonko <laughs> is it ahanonko? And in fact, I have another poem um, which is um, called "Mold in My Drinking Name," which kind of 
is a poem about the process of getting my drinking name, Azolia. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Can't wait for that one. And also, it made me, what you said about the call and response thing, it made me envision you performing this poem with kind of like a choral group of airway people who are like, like, who could say the name and then you could, you could perform the longer version or vice versa. Like, there's so many beautiful opportunities um, to make this a communally performed poem as well. It's, um, it's funny you should say that, okay, because... Two days ago, I was asking my flatmate, could I just brainstorm something? You know, this whole thing about names has been really important to me and naming things. And I've had I've had this wish to write a poem about naming things for years or to write a poem about my name. And I never found the right form. So when I found a hand-on-call, you know, it seems, oh my God, this is where I need to live. And then I was thinking about what can I do that, you know, is like an event or something where I can bring people together, where, you know, the whole premise is about names and naming. So what you just said is brilliant. I love the whole thing about a communal kind of utterance. Please invite um, us and let us know about it and we will promote it <laughs> when this happens. Oh, definitely. I, I want to be there. <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. I, I want to talk about the amazing coincidences that, that happen in the creation of a creative work. Just sort of uh, similar ideas happening at the same time from different people. So we published yeah. your poem. It comes in, in the magazine right after um, the winning poem in the Your Name is a Poem Poetry Translation Challenge that we yes. did in yeah. conjunction with the Poetry Society's Young Poets Network um, that I judged and which was won by a wonderful poet named Kexin Huang and mm -hmm. the poem is entitled What is Kexin and is about her name and right. the whole challenge that I set up is you know translate your name in the form of a poem because yes. all of our names have some kind of meaning and I I just thought that you know in the spirit of translation being poetic and and, and creative and generative I thought you know what the meanings of our names could be very mm -hmm. much interpreted into poetic form uh we got so many entries from all around the world of young people just writing about their names and, and the various meanings of their names and the various structures of naming. Um, so my own name, Kairani Baroka, I don't have a surname. It's just like a lot of Indonesians, we don't have surnames. Is that, that right? Yeah, oh, that is in fact yeah. a colonial thing. Everyone in my nuclear family, we have different names and and what we're called in day to day are nicknames derived from those longer names but wow. I come up you know all the time constantly especially somebody who's constantly as a writer and editor having to submit bios and and names you know people are like well what is that is that your nickname I think people think it's like me trying to go mononymic like Madonna and it's like no right. it's not it's not yeah. like my artist's name. It's not more formal. It's not more informal. And I actually wrote a whole essay about it uh, called Sans Surname that I just forward to people now to explain this whole setup. But what's sad for me is that more and more people are are, are having to um, name others. You know, like my, my friends 
who are wonderful and have wonderful children's names, but all their kids' names I've noticed have patriarchal surnames because their kids live in an era where, you know, passports and, and visas and all of that. Yeah, yeah. They, they, it says first name, surname. And so even though Baraka is listed as a surname in my passport and all these other things, it isn't actually a surname. Um, my brother only has one name. You know, lots of Indonesians only have one name, but then they have to double the name or they have to, you know, <laughs> have to figure out, they have to, um, my brother ended up taking on my dad's surname, you know, for, for the, for various purposes. So it's something that's really personal to me when I see that people don't understand that there are different naming conventions in the world. There's thousands and thousands of different naming conventions in the world, indigenous naming conventions that were demolished slowly or very quickly by colonial forces. And that's one of many reasons why I absolutely love your poem. And actually from the food issue of MPT onwards, um, I don't know if you noticed, but usually it's ordered by surname in, in terms of um, at the back, you have a list of all the contributors, right? It's usually ordered in alphabetical order by surname, but an acknowledgement of the fact that a lot of us don't have surnames. Um, yeah, I've, changed, I, I've changed that. I didn't know that at all, but it feels like a really lovely coincidence that you didn't have a surname. And if I had lived, you know, all those many years ago, I wouldn't have a surname. And I really love the idea of being known by a clan name because it really, you know, emphasizes that idea of community. And, you know, it just goes to show how dominant Western um, ideas of what constitutes a name no room, you know, when it comes to things like passports or voting or whatever that there is no room for traditional um, ways of naming. And now that you're talking about it, I just want to dig into naming systems and look at, you know, naming systems from all over the world because it's rich. There's a richness there that I think um, is being lost. Even my name, Jifa, means something. And I'm very aware of that meaning it means cool heart. And, you know, most Westerners think cool heart must be, you know, leaning towards cold, but actually it means um, more peaceful. Your full name is Jifa Afi Batewo. And um, I know you said in, in your introduction that as a member of the Bate clan and a girl born on Friday, that's your name. But what does Afi specifically mean? And what does Batewo specifically mean? Afi specifically means a girl born on Friday. So um, a boy born on Friday would be Kofi. Friday is Fida. So Afi, Kofi, you know, um, and most Ghanaians have a day name. Um, Bata, Bata War means I'm from the club Bata. War means people of. When you have war, W-O, you know it donates people. So mm. I have a poem about Ewa fishermen, Futahawo is fishermen. So um, actually Futahawo is rowing song for fishermen. You see, so the war just denotes the people of. So the people um, of the rowing songs. Yeah, the people of the rowing songs, which are fishermen, you know. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. I have another poem called Vina Viwo, which are twins. So people of the twins. 
Oh, thank you so much. And I think when we we're saying about there's not really any space in terms of bureaucracy, I think about how that seeps into people's assumptions as well, that that's just how the world is, that there's this quote unquote universality yeah. about names. Yeah. And I, what I love about literary and artistic spaces like this is, you know, we can push back against that, right? And we can say, exactly. hang on, there's whole universes that, <laughs> that are being pushed aside here um, and that we can revive, as you say. I, I love um, your interest in, in the Ewe language and, and really delving deep into it and, and doing that with your mother as well must be really lovely. Um, it is. If you could speak a bit, a bit about that and sort of her, her, her relationship to your creative process and the creation of this poem and, and in general. Well, she hasn't heard the poem yet. No, because I, I haven't, you know, I haven't shared that with her yet. Um, I want to be able to, um, you know, give it to her as a book. I wanted her to see it all come together, the kinds of discussions I have with her. And she's always going, you know, she she knows that I of my interest in all of this but sometimes when we're talking and she's in the middle of a story and I interrupt and say what's this what does this? she's like oh god Jeffa you and your quest for knowledge you know she <laughs> you know because you know she kind of half loves it and half you know gets irritated by it because I'm always asking all these searching questions and one of the things about diving into the philosophy, the mythology and the history, you know, because I felt the lack of language, is making me learn about the language in a much deeper way than I would, you know, just speaking it every day. For instance, I found out that the Ewe people have 13 months in the year mm. rather than 12, you know, so the Ewe calendar has got one more month um, more than the Gregorian calendar because the Ewe month is divided into 28 exact days following the phases of the moon and that the months are named after what happens in agriculture. So I'm born in Dame, which is um, the equivalent of May in the Gregorian calendar. And Dame is when you get the rain starting. So it's the first planting season of the year, you know. So finding out things like that where, you know, I can go into deeper knowledge. I think most people who speak Ewe don't even know the names of the months of the year or even that the Ewe calendar has 13 months. So in a way not knowing the language and trying to find ways to compensate for it has taken me deeper into the language and, you know, or deeper into the connection the language has to words and concepts in the everyday. So, you know, that's really been delightful for me. Um, it's been an unexpected gift. That's a really wonderful uh, thing to hear. And, and I'm sure it must be something that you feel kind of in your body as well, because it, it's part of who you are and, and kind of on a exactly. cellular level, I must imagine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, dance and the spine is very important in our culture because a lot of the history and migratory stories are carried in the spine and in a dance called Agbaja, which really 
emphasizes the movement of the spine, um, you know, and that's in our philosophy. Obviously, as you say, as an artist, finding out all these things is just more grist to the artistic mill. Absolutely. I can I can definitely imagine that would be sort of very generative um, and open up whole worlds. And and I think yeah. um I think that learning more about this culture, do you see this as a way to connect with other people in the UK who come from LA backgrounds as well? Yes, definitely. I remember one time I was a guest um, speaker at an Angevon session in Devon. And um, unbeknown to me, one of the people there was an Ewe woman, a young woman, who not spent that much time in Ghana, but nonetheless was um, trying to dig in and do some research. So when she um, heard me do some of the Ewa poems, she wanted to connect with me and get me to talk more about what I'd found out about Ewa um, culture and philosophy. You never know who among the audience is an Ewa person. To me, those kind of things are quite precious. Um, at those moments for connection. So um, I think I'm just really scratching the surface of how these um, error poems can bring me more in connection because I haven't read, I haven't had the opportunity to read many of them in public. Um, But I also think that I'm going to be digging deeper into, into them Um, because the next manuscript I want to write is around my mother and her love of orchids. So, yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of our kind of concepts and philosophies will come up in that particular manuscript. Well, Jifa, thank you so, so much for your time and for sharing all of this. I, I can't tell you how grateful we are at MPT to have your words and and your philosophies contained in this poem. I'm equally grateful to you to seeing what I was trying to do and um, agreeing to publish it. Well, it's our honor and our pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, please uh, continue to be part of the MPT community because oh, we're definitely. Claimed you. <laughs> definitely. What you have just heard is uh, our MPT podcast with Jiffa Benson who uh, did a wonderful deep dive into her poem, which you can find in the current issue, which is out now, Measureless Melodies, Focus on Vietnam. Our music is from the song Javier by Molar, a multilingual band featuring Italian, Spanish, Thai, and Luxembourgish speakers, which includes writer and translator Livia Franchini.